Well, welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to You, a reader discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. And we are here to discuss some Robert Sheckley, who we have previously discussed because one of his stories was in Real Future. Yep. And this time we're going to be talking about four reasons, which we will get into later, his story, The Prize of Peril, which is in a number of anthologies. They can be found pretty widely. Uh, I even found it on a website someplace where you can just read it there in HTML. And we're going to be discussing two adaptations of it. And Colin mentioned this on a previous podcast, that one of them's in French and one of them is in German. Um, and so in French, we have one that is called, and I apologize, I've never taken a second of French, Le Prix du Danger. Danger. Yeah. Which we just heard the guy say. You, you should know that. Right. right. They said it a number of times <laughs> in the movie, but again, never have taken French. And... Um, Later on, you'll hear somebody pronounce it correctly. So that's a little hint. We have foreign correspondence on this one. Mm. And then we're also going to be talking about Das Millionenspiel, which I'm a little more confident about my pronunciation because I did take German, uh, but I took it in the United States, so pronunciation is probably not great. So the story is from... 1958. 1958. And then the first movie, I think, was the German one, right? That's right. 1970. That's a great year. Yeah, it is. Yes, that's, that's, that's when we welcomed <laughs> Mr. Colin Kuski. Um, and then the French movie is from the 80s, right? 1983? 1983. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about all those in turn. We'll start by talking about the story as usual, and then we will have some extra content here from our foreign correspondents. So, yeah, this story, very much in keeping with the seventh victim in a lot of ways. Yes. Uh, because if you recall from that story, that was that one actually explicitly said that the reason that they had the, whatever the game was called... Um, was to give people an outlet for violence. Mm -hmm. Where this one is, uh, go on this show and uh, bet your life against a bunch of money. More or less. Yes. Yep. So, uh, nobody had ever read the story or seen either of these movies, right? <laughs> no. And Correct. I, I spent time in Germany, so. Yes. <laughs> but not in 1970. And no, there are reasons that you wouldn't have found it when you were in Germany. Because you were there in, what, the 90s? Late 80s? 90, yeah, 93. Yeah, yeah. No, you wouldn't have been able to see it then. So uh, we'll, we'll get into that when, when we go to our correspondent. So, okay. uh, yeah, this, this story. I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> uh, what happens in this thing? James, I think you're, you have read it most recently, and I, I remember it. It's just I remember little bits and pieces, and I'm getting them mixed up with the movies and with right. the seventh victim. Or the tenth victim. It is hard to get. It is easy to get mixed up with other uh, contents, <laughs> which is a reason for some of the stuff that happens, <laughs> right? <laughs> that we'll talk about. <laughs> I mean, so basically, in this story, um, you have Jim Reader, 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 Reader. I don't know how do you want to pronounce R -A -E, it. R A E, right? Right. R A E. They they misspelled Reader in the story. Right. Shackley misspelled Reader. <laughs> <laughs> how dare he? <laughs> Doesn't care about his readers. Yeah. Uh, you know, gets recruited to participate in game shows. Well, he volunteers. He's not recruited. True. He, he wants the money. And, yeah. and because of the, the premise, you, you cannot really be recruited. Right. So if we were to talk about the science fiction in this, it's the passage of a national assisted suicide law, mm -hmm. right. which the game show says, interprets as allowing every person to, to uh, you know, risk their life in dangerous and sometimes ludicrous ways. Right. right. And then they will have no, you know... Um, What's the word? Respons accountability for it, I guess. Yeah. Right. right. The game show won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No liability. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But he can't just jump straight to the million dollar prize or whatever it was, $200,000? Mm -hmm. 
what, what was something the, like that. What was yeah. the prize? I think it was like two hundred k. It was like yeah, two hundred thousand dollars. Something sorry, something nineteen fifty eight. That's a right. lot of money. So. <laughs> that's chunk of change. Yeah, <laughs> makes you think of button. <laughs> right, right, that's right. Maybe that's where I got that number from. <laughs> I might not have. Right, because in the book it was like a hundred thousand dollars or yeah. something, and then all of a sudden like it's millions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh right. Uh, oh, anyway, the short I, film. In the short yeah. film, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I diverge. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you can't go right to the million dollar game. He has to start off small. So he has a series of short incremental games. Like uh, I think one involves diving for treasure, uh, and then there's getting caught in a plane without the pilot, so you got to land it or die. Right. Uh, race racing game. He gets involved in a, a kind of like a NASCAR race. Right. Right. Um, but not, not as not you know, a professional. And, and all the, right, all these things are done with, with no previous experience in any of these activities. Right. So I don't think he, yeah, he's probably not scuba certified. Right. No, probably never driven a race car before. Definitely not a pilot. Well, and, and he, then, he only you know, wins the race car one, or does he win or he, he gets far enough to move on anyway, just yeah, because there's a terrible move wreck. On. Yeah. And in the right. book, there's a terrible wreck that allows him to win. Yeah. But I think the, the thing that gets him into the games in the first place is though that he's, He's very average. He's a very average person. Mm, like he doesn't idiocracy. look terribly well, but he isn't he's not ugly, but not beautiful. You know, he's not smart, but not dumb. He's a right solid one hundred IQ. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And so they, you know, they they take him forward because of his averageness and his ability to represent the ordinary man mm. uh, in the games, giving you know, kind of um, letting the audience or the viewers think that hey, this guy looks, you know, he's average. I'm probably better than the average i could right. do that right yeah, yeah. that kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah he's not you know a, a, an extreme sports dude you know none of us could ever freaking play professional football See, right? now that reminds me there used to be a, a reality show called pros versus joes oh because it had like the, the people who were like hey i played baseball in high school funny. i could definitely right. hit a major league pitcher and then they put him up against jenny finch mm-hmm. who who is like world-class softball pitcher oh wow fast pitch oh, softball oh, oh, oh. pitcher Ooh. and she just smoked them all Smash. but of course there, you can find yeah. videos of her striking out major leaguers too because they're not used to the angle on that ball yeah um, yeah. And it's from a shorter distance, but it's effectively oh, yeah. the same kind of stuff that they get in the, in the yep. pros. But yeah, we're not very good as, as a species <laughs> at figuring out what our own limitations really are. So, yeah. yeah. I think in the, yeah, in the intro of the story, they're talking about how just society is kind of over professional sports right. because they're, they're just unrelatable mm-hmm. anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so they've come up with these games and then, yeah. Yeah. So it's so, very prophetic, just like our times. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so he eventually finds his way onto the prize of peril. And right. what, is, what does he have to survive? A week? Or is it a month? It's a long time. I want to say it's a month. Yeah. yeah. Um, on the run from the Thompson gang. Yep. Who, yes. who I just always pictured them carrying Tommy guns. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, with this story, right, like everybody in society is, is a spy, essentially. It mm-hmm. weaponizes the... the the populace against him right. and for him because some people want to help him. Good Samaritans, right? Yes. And so they, they specifically will, will like throw a smoke bomb or something to help him get away from the Thompson yep. gang. Yep. Or, or, or do the phone a friend and say, Hey, tell him that there's a, there's an exit out that other window over there. And yeah. Right. Cause he has a cell phone wall. in his pocket. Um, <laughs> Yes. It's, it's a mini well, television. Yeah, he's got a mini TV yeah, in, his, in yeah. his pocket the whole time. And there's also people around him. You know, he's in the middle of a city, so everybody yeah. in the city is watching the show, mm-hmm. and so they're able to pop their head out the window and be like, hey, the guys are here, go this way, yeah. or something, you know, or mm-hmm. throw him stuff, or feed him in the middle of his run, right, yeah. <laughs> give him some energy. Yeah. 
And so at some point, I mean, we're going full spoilers here. You can find the story. It's what, 20 pages long? Yes. Yep. Um, how, how many ounces of, of Vodka? Uh, booze does it take? <laughs> Well, I think I had a cup of coffee. <laughs> okay, okay. So especially easy. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. Might I need a stimulant to read it. That's not good. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> and, you know, to go back to the, the story, that is something that is being pumped up all the time. Mm-hmm. This whole idea that, you know, remember, all the fans are rooting for you. Yeah. All the fans are right. rooting for you. Right. All mm-hmm. the fans are rooting for you until the very end when it looks like he's going to win. Right. Yep. And then he comes across a bunch of people that are all directing the Thompson gang to him and they chase him down and he trips and falls into an open, an open grave, a yep. pre-dug open grave. <laughs> and just as they're about to shoot him, you can, you know, yeah. there's a television nearby because apparently there's t- prevalent televisions everywhere. Right. It's like, don't shoot him. He made it. Yep. Right. Yeah. It's one second past the deadline. Yeah. You can't <laughs> shoot him anymore. Except that he thought he was going to die and he went insane in the end. Right. And then the, there's this closing monologue by the, the, the show host about, you know, how great Jim is and how they're going to do everything they can to try and help mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. because we've all been pulling for him the whole right. time. Right. Well, there was the earlier part, too, where he gets help from somebody and then he finds out that she works for, you know, the network and is like, hey, you're not being interesting enough. <laughs> right. Know? Be so, more interesting. Yeah. Like, but I'm average Joe. Yeah. See, that that's what kind of... Uh, bugged me about that too. Is like, how do you expect the or- average ordinary guy to be that interesting? He's average for a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, it is. But I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. 1958, and this is very, very predictive of reality television. Oh my goodness, yes. And um, and like I said, it's similar to mm-hmm. to the tenth victim as well. Although was that that wasn't really broadcast, right? That's just a you're playing gotcha. Um, right. Yeah. And if ball. you make it to number seven, then you you win. You some can retire, prize. essentially. Yeah. 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 But but you know participation is not mandatory. You don't mm-hmm. have to. You register with that, and then the computer picks who your partners are. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like you know, I was talking about the Joes versus well, pros versus Joes, and then there's mm-hmm. Fear Factor. I mean, which is a direct analog to this to a lot of the stuff that he oh, had yeah. to do. Right. It's just the stakes are a little lower. You probably do have to sign your life away, but you have a reasonable expectation that they're not going to let you die right, when yeah. you're trying to. I remember I remember watching <laughs> early episodes of Fear Factor uh, where they had to like ride a, a mountain bike across like a two by four between two buildings. <laughs> wow. Oh, dang. And they were belayed in, you know, they, they, but it'd still oh, be terrifying okay. if you fell. There, were, yeah. there was a safety net. There, yeah. I guess. If I recall. Right. Well, and then some of the, hist- some of the uh, reality shows on the History Channel Mm. Uh, you know, oh, like alone, alone. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm. Someone must be watching them, or um, you know, the there, there is, yeah, they reality have, shows. They have a safety Which, net on yeah, that too. Well, sort on, of. in alone, they don't <laughs> because if they if they have to tap out because it, like I remember I was hearing I was listening to a podcast the other day talking about the show mm. and there was somebody who like where he set up his camp was right next to like a family of bears and so he just just tapped out he's like this isn't gonna work and and they yeah there, there was one out. where yeah this guy discovered he was right in uh in a territory of a cougar maybe that was it yeah yeah, yeah. And, the, and he and he he's like okay i'm done because i yep. don't know how to get out of here it's yeah. cougar's territory is huge mm-hmm. yeah yeah no I've, I've i've watched a few seasons okay. of that show. Yeah. nice yeah and they, they do keep an eye on him to a point yeah, yeah but if you're if you do something dumb you're probably gonna die yeah well, they don't. They don't help but, you to stay in the game, right? If if no, you, if no, you don't make do, good decisions, they do require. Yeah. I think it's like weekly check-ins or something like that, make sure you're or not actually periodically starting. check-ins. I don't yeah. think week, weekly seems too long. Yeah, but they do periodically come in and check on you. They actually make sure you're feeding yourself. They would go through a whole like first aid triage to right. 
ensure you have a reasonable chance of living. But they don't or lift they you will out take and you out. Take you to a hotel and then put you. Yeah, back yeah. In there was there was this one guy for the one where they're in Patagonia. There was this dude that actually caught a whole ton of fish mm. at the lake that they're on, but he hoarded it all in his little cabin. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't eating it, and so when they came in for their checkup. Uh, they realized he was malnutrition, and he, he and he started experiencing a hoarding complex, hmm. and they couldn't get him to eat, so they just disqualified him and took him. Weird. Wow. Yeah, huh. <laughs> because he fell into the grave and lost his marbles, right? Yeah, yeah, huh. kind of, but not so. That's interesting. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's an interesting story, just because like it in the day that we live in, right? We have a lot of we still call it reality television. Um, what reality TV? Producers like to call it is unscripted television. It really is unscripted. Yeah. <laughs> well, but it's directed and managed yeah. and so no yeah. longer reality. Well, there's a reason why, like when you watch Survivor, you look for yeah. the winner edit because you, you the winner edit is that the winner edit. Yeah, you, oh, okay. you're like, okay, I think I can pick who the winner is by the way by what they choose to show of people. Yeah. Or like on the Amazing oh, Race, anytime, anytime sure. you have like uh, a pair of racers who is like, you know, today we're really going to focus on paying attention to detail, you know that they're going to miss the smallest, stupidest thing in that leg and get eliminated. <laughs> so, which is amusing. Yeah. And then when, when, when it shows them missing it and they're like, they're just, there was, there was one this last season uh, or this season currently going on where they had to talk to a Bobby in London and okay. like half the teams didn't know what a Bobby was. And so like, is your name Bobby? <laughs> like, really guys? And then they, and they'd play like the sad trombone, trombone and show, show the constable. Womp womp. <laughs> so, Oh, yeah. that's funny. <laughs> yeah. So, do you like the story? Damn. I did. Yeah. You know, I thought it talked about, um, it seemed very prophetic, talking about reality TV and, you know, how, how fake it really, really is. Yeah. And um, you even mentioned the assisted suicide law, which I think in 1958 would have been an atrocious thing to that culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other thing is just how... Much the, the idea that you know the crowd is pulling for you, the crowd is pulling for you, the crowd mm-hmm. is pulling for you. The crowd just pulled the rug out right, right. underneath you, right? Yep. Well, and so did the corporation, right? Or the t- network, I guess. TV network. Oh, well, I mean, the the network always supported him. It was the people at the end that yeah. were like you know telling the Thompsons how to find him, and right, right. But that's by the design of the corporation too. It's better television. Yeah. Yep. If yep. he loses right at the end, yep. more drama. Well, and if the players think that the crowd or that the population is pulling for him, they'll be more trusting, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. makes for more drama. Mm-hmm. Which makes the backstab even more potent, though. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, like we said, this has been adapted a couple of times. Uh, the first one was a German one. Yes. We were able to find the German movie through Interlibrary Loan, which is great. All wonderful and everything. It's Region 2 DVD, but James <laughs> has a laptop that can read Region 2 DVDs, so everything's good, right? Perfect. <laughs> and then we <laughs> threw it in this morning and realized there is no subtitle track nope. for English. So, <laughs> so unfortunately, our ability to judge the quality of this movie is somewhat hampered yeah. by the DVD none of us, was not meant for wide distribution. Yeah, no, <laughs> none of us having enough German to understand most of what was going on. I'd catch a word uh, here or there, but um, yeah. That's really, yeah. Exactly. And we tried. We tried using Google Translate. It could not understand the it audio well up. enough. Yeah, yeah. So um, fortunately, uh, I had inspiration with earlier about the French movie with engaging our friend Emmanuel Dubois and having him comment on the French movie. And then yesterday, I thought, wait, I know somebody in Germany, um, Cora Bullert, 
who who is a wonderful fan writer who has been nominated for the Hugo Award. She was last year, and if I have anything to say about it, she will be again. Awesome. Um, and uh, so I just sent her a note over Twitter, and I said, hey, any chance you've seen this movie? And she said, oh, yes, absolutely, I've seen it, and, and, and wrote me a couple of things back. I'm like, okay, that's awesome. can we get on a call and you record some of this? And she said, sure. And so this first thing this morning, I got on with her and got some of her comments, and now you guys get to hear them as well. I'm Cora Bulat, and um, the German adaptation of The Price of Peril was called Das Millionenspiel. Literally the Million Game, which was also the title of the Shackley story when it was published in German. And um, I just looked it up. The Shackley story appeared in German, first appeared in German in 1963. And um, the collection was reprinted in 1966. And this is where I suppose the TV makers um, found the story. And um, it was adapted by Wolfgang Menge, who was a legendary German TV screenwriter at the time, who created a lot of, uh, he did a lot of crime dramas. And of course, um, if you've seen the million, if, if you want to watch Das Millionenspiel, it is free on YouTube, but it doesn't have subtitles. So you'll have to watch it in German. <laughs> but and, um, the film appeared in 1970 and um, it caused a scandal because um, what the screenwriter Wolfgang Menge and uh, director Tom Tölle did, they basically staged is it like an actual TV game show. And the fascinating thing about this movie is that it looks like a TV game show from the 70s. Now, mm -hmm. I wasn't born when the movie first aired in 1970, but um, I've seen plenty of TV game shows of the and music shows of the 1970s and 80s, so I know the style. And um, if you've seen it, there's a um, goofy um, dance uh, interludes with uh, strangely dressed dancers and yes, this was a thing in German TV well into oh, wow. the 80s and 1990s 90s that there was TV ballads who were doing dance numbers in variety shows. The host was played by Dieter Thomas Heck who was the host of an actual program, a music, uh, pop music program called Hit Parade, which was hugely popular, which everybody watched Hit Parade. I remember it was one of those few times when I was a very small child that I was allowed to stay up late was when Hit Parade was shown. <laughs> and Dieter Thomas Heck, uh, he, had, um, he had, was one of those, mo he was a motor mouse person. He could speak very, very fast. And he had a, had a kind of... Uh, Typical hosting style, and if you watch your share of Hit Parade, and pretty much everybody in Germany who lived in Germany at the time <laughs> had seen it, seen it. And if you watch Das, Mil das Millionenspiel, it's pretty much he plays the fictional host in the same style that he plays the actual host, that he was the actual host. And basically, I was waiting for him to send his greetings to our to our brothers and sisters in East Germany because they were always greeting viewers in East Germany, <laughs> Germany at the time. It was a kind of political thing. And everything is set up. Uh, basically, the show, the end of the show and the bits with the host are filmed in front of a live studio audience. And it looks like live studio audiences looked at the time. The sets look like TV shows look at the time. And they went even, they went one further. They have, um, the movie literally starts with a fake TV announcer, announcer, a woman announcing, which was also a thing in the 70s, 80s, 80s, that there were women announcing TV programs. And um, they even have fake commercials interspersed with everything else, mostly for vaguely, <laughs> sort of weirdly sexualized commercials, which also look like actual 70s commercials, except that the products are, of course, all fake. I think there's one for 
for um, Eli Love, the anti anti baby uh, injection. So basically, some <laughs> kind of contraceptive. And um, Monte Carlo Spring, Monte Carlo Spring, the mineral water which will make women want you, and all sorts of stuff. So it's <laughs> hilarious. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's also the they action really. sequences are really well done. Another thing they did: the people who play the reporters who report about the progress of the game out from outside the, the studio are actual TV reporters. One of them is Harry Bad Fassbinder, who was a legendary sports uh, a sports reporter. So the whole thing looked like a genuine TV show, hmm. and this caused a scandal because people tuned in. And just as with War of the Worlds, they started watching or they missed the beginning and uh, missed that it was yeah. a movie and thought they were watching an actual TV show. <laughs> and what happened was, uh, was that people started inundating the TV station with letters. For start, <laughs> several just complained like, oh my God, this is completely inhuman. You have someone... You have um, people shooting at a shooting at a real person on TV, and uh, this is uh, how can you do this? This is a scandal. Why is this legal? Then you had a lot more people writing in. Oh, how can we be a candidate on this game, please? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, they really had. Hey, can we be a candidate? How many you we apply? We apply now, wow. and then a handful of people applied to join the gang of killers. They're called the Kühler, They're called the Kühler Gang in the German version. I think it's the Thompson Gang in the in the actual story. And so you had people actually applying to join the Gang of Killers, and this was a massive scandal. But the movie was popular. It won the Goldene Kamera, which is the gold, so Golden Camera, which is a TV award. It won the Bambi, which is a massive media award. Basically, it got the equivalent of an Emmy. It won a prize in was a Pre Italia, the Italian. I think it's a TV award. Hmm. But there was one problem. Wolfgang Menge, the screenwriter and the TV station, had purchased the rights, rights or they sought from the German publisher, Goldman. But Goldman never really informed Sheckley that they had purchased the rights. And also, they didn't have the rights because Sheckley had sold them to some other producer. <laughs> so the movie pretty much vanished and was legendary but unseen for almost for more than 30 years wow. it did not air again until 2002 which is when i first saw it because i wasn't even born the first time it was on tv and um, i saw it and uh, i was absolutely fascinated because it's really 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 well made and especially because it looks like it i said it is watching das millionspiel is like watching tv from an alternate universe you can imagine there's a universe <laughs> somewhere where Well, there really was a show like this somewhere in the 70s. So, in short, it's on YouTube. If you can, you should watch it because it's um, really amazing. And um, yes, you, you don't have subtitles, but um, you can understand the plot without the subtitles. And anyway, it's, it's a true highlight for West German TV, which sadly did not produce a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. So that was quite something, huh? Wow. So huge It's thanks. Cursed. Yeah. So huge thanks yeah. to Cora for uh, being on very short notice and, and being gracious, gracious enough to uh, record that with me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for the tidbits. That was awesome. Yeah. 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 I think this is better than anything we would come up with. And, um, <laughs> and yeah. That's just, interesting about the licensing or the rights, I guess, the rights. It makes sense. I mean, it's yeah. the kind of thing that you could, that could be an honest mistake, but also a dishonest mistake. Right. Um, And then when she was mentioning how, you know, it, it caused a scandal, 
Which mm-hmm. I was like, really? And then think about it. You know, imagine if like Pat Sajak did something like that. Right. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. If you took people from, from today's television world and you yeah. put them into a movie right. and had them act out the things that were yeah. plausible enough. I want to see the Wheel of Fortune of Death. <laughs> Not the Wheel of Fish from UHF. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, and just the the bits in there about people calling in and wanting to volunteer to be on it, you know? <laughs> yeah, that was... <laughs> <laughs> I hope that the people who called it's in who wanted to be... It's amazing that they got the yeah. whole spectrum of people. Right. Right? right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. D- did they end up on a watch list of some kind? No shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad she brought up the commercials because you know my, uh, my wife yeah does uh, OBGYN Going. work at her at her clinic, and I know how she administers birth control. Right. So when they cut to the commercial, the lady laying there on the couch, butt naked, butt up, and she gets right. injected, right. and she goes, "Ah, oh. it's yeah. like I don't, I don't think that's required." Yeah. Quite honest. That's no. it's a special kind of service you have to pay extra for for them to, to come to you when you're laying on the beach. You yes, know. it's the. Uh, Shot with the happy ending, but yeah, that that. <laughs> <laughs> um, that Cora was absolutely right. That is a bunch of very horny commercials. Oh, yeah, totally, uh, yeah. During that program, and and you know, German television very different than American television, right? We have all kinds of broadcast standards that prevent mm-hmm. certain kinds mm-hmm. of content. Where right. in, in German television, you, you could have topless right. dancers, and and nobody would bat an eye at it. Um, Maybe, I don't know about the seventies though. That's a very different time, even in of course. A place I have a couple examples. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. And you can. I, I will put in the show notes a link to uh, Hit Parade. Hit Parade. So, yeah, so, that's so, so yes, yes. Yeah. Hit Parade. Um, so you can hear because the guy, the cadence is very much on. I mean, it, like he is playing himself. In, oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. And Spiel. It almost yeah. reminds me of another movie, but let's let's talk about that downstream. Let's talk about that downstream. Yeah. Yes. Um, so. So yeah, despite what Cora assured us, we could follow the plot uh, without I think they got understanding it. The highlights, for yeah, sure. We could definitely tell the yeah. points of fidelity due to the story. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, there's a particular moment in the story where he crashes through a hidden window. Right. Breaks mm-hmm. breaks through a hidden window. Yeah. And and that's in, well, honestly, it's in both the movies and the book. Well, yeah, yep. that's what I'm saying. It's it's something from from the story that they keep, and then I believe in the German when they do the you know flying, trying to land the plane, uh, they do the yeah. Did they do right. the race one in the German one? The German one, yeah, yeah. They did not do it in the French one. Yeah, and it also it keeps the time scale right because he's been running for a while before right. you know it opens on him already kind of in fetal position in a, in a hotel somewhere. Yep. Yeah, exhausted yep. and yep. hiding. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Um, and so. That's one thing I feel like, you know, he's very harried, right? He seems like very much an everyman. Mm-hmm. Another thing that, that Cora told me that I that I cut out um, just because I wanted to, to tell you guys um, and to keep it as short as possible was that <laughs> the guy who played the main character, at least I think it was the main character, um, was a famous voice actor, a dubbing actor. So most oh, most films that would brought, would be brought into German would then be dubbed in German, and this is common all around the the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and he he dubbed Malcolm McDowell for A Clockwork Orange, and Kubrick liked his performance oh, so much that he hired him <laughs> to to do the dubbing for all of his movies for the the male lead. Wow! So, oh, that's cool. Yes, lots of tidbits from from Cora. Very cool. Yeah, but it's it's really hard to judge the quality of a movie that you can't understand most of yeah um, we could watch to see right. what was happening like mm-hmm. there was the scene where he gets picked up by the blonde studio executive to be rescued right. from a point which is right out mm-hmm. of the book yeah mm-hmm. you know a lot of other things were extremely accurate yeah mm-hmm. 
I also would say that it seemed to be a period piece. Very much, yeah. I mean, like Cora said, right? It looks like 1970s television, even you know, even from a U.S. perspective. I'm like, yep, that, that kind of looks like you know, Family Feud, or um, right? Yeah, but the cars looked like they were from the six, the 50s or 60s. There were a couple older cars, and then I don't know what what yeah, German cars looked like in the 70s. It's German at the time. Come on, <laughs> you think they would have better cars, right? <laughs> Not yeah, back then, because of the tooth. <laughs> I liked the way it was presented. I feel I feel like it was really well crafted to look like it was just, right, ladies and gentlemen. You know, next we're bringing you right. <laughs> That's Millionaire's Field, yeah. and they had the other spandex dancers. They did, yeah. Um, and you know, something really unique that this first German adaptation did was in the book. You are never in the studio. You right. get to participate by listening to mm, mm. Uh, people from the studio talk to Jim, or or hearing the 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 television and the radio play the show, which is apparently on all the time. Yeah, and this takes you into the studio right, for the, the you know the solid gold yeah. dancers, and yeah. uh, all the other things that go on. I think there was some there was some audience participation at one point. They brought forward a couple of ladies and they yeah. talked and we couldn't tell what right. they were talking about. Right. Yeah. Well, and they, and they went out to the, you know, the man on the street, right. Where they went out to, to sideline. Oh, reporters. The, you, yeah. Right. Right. Where right. They were talking, crowd on they, the street. I could tell they were, they were asking what they thought of, of the main guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they, and they were, and you could see based it. on their actions, who thought of what, I mean, mm-hmm. there was people that were like, yeah. just being mean. Others are like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> But it, it, yeah, it was cooler than the, the movie was just the story that it was. I didn't, I didn't have any idea it was a television movie in in Germany. Yeah, and, uh, and that it had yeah. won awards. Yeah, it's really cool. Well, and it caused the same kind of ruckus that the war, like the, the world did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything yeah. else to say? That kind of puts a whole new light on it for me. I'm yeah. liking it now. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was very canonical. It was quite canonical. I mean. Um, you know, we, we've talked about the 100 pages, right? It's perfect for, to adapt into a film, and you can pretty much hit the whole thing, right? right. This right. is 20 pages, so you're going to have to add some filler in here and there. And and they did. They did. And they, quite well, apparently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I felt like there were times where I was like, could we cut back to him running away from people? Because there was a lot of stuff. And th- this was where, where the language barrier was a problem, right? Because a lot of the motor mouth right. uh, host of the whole thing, you know, interviewing people or talking about things and... Um, if I could have understood all of that, I'm, I'm sure that would have been great. Or the the behind the scenes studio stuff as well, right? Yeah, would have been interesting. Well, to I see mean, what they were saying you even noticed though, even though it is German, that you're you know he, we could tell he was talking fast. Not oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. not right. just because we weren't understanding it because we don't speak right. German, but yeah, even for Germans, he's probably talking really fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Should we move on to the French movie? Let's move on to the French movie. Okay, so this is from 1983. And I will not try to pronounce the name of it again, even though I heard it a thousand <laughs> times during the actual movie. But we will go to our other foreign correspondent, Emmanuel Dubois, in Montreal, and he will tell us about it. Bonjour, Seth, Colin, and James. To help out my fellow nerds, I watched Le Prix du Danger, a 1983 Franco-Yugoslavian movie, and read the story it was adapted from, The Prize of Pearl, by Robert Checkley. It is directed by Yves Boisset, starring Gérard Lanvin, Michel Piccoli, Marie-France Pizier, and Bruno Kremer. The movie itself was shot in Paris and Belgrade. Some actors are clearly Yugoslavian and dubbed in French. The movie starts with a bang, with a chase in Europe, with a man being pursued by various armed attackers. They finally get him and exhibit his body to the cameras filming him and the whole scene for live television. This sets the tone for the movie which moves very fast with short, laconic dialogues. Dispersed throughout the movie, there are fake ads that remind me of Robocop, the original movie, from the (laughs) 80s also. 
The country they're in is never stated aside from Europe, but they all have French names, so we can assume we're in France. The movie itself is a mid-budget thing, with all the little issues that come with it regarding effects and sound, but it is still quite watchable and quite entertaining. Michel Piccoli is particularly good at playing the crazy TV host, uh, who is named Mike Perry in the original story. Lanvin uh, is good too, uh, his physique does much of the work for him, although he still has a couple of good lines. The rest of the cast also does a very nice job. They all seem very natural in that dystopian society where TV, ads and greed reign supreme. Well, it might actually not be so dystopian when you think about it. <laughs> now compared to the original story, the basic setup is the same and so are the themes. But a lot of the particulars are different or shuffled around. In both the story, the hero, named François Jacques Mar, in French instead of Jim Raider, signs a contract where he forfeits his life under the Voluntary Suicide Act, so they can be prosecuted if he dies on the show. In both movies and story, the hero is supposed to represent the average man, because people are tired of fake heroes and athletes. But whereas in the story the hunt lasts for a week, in the movie it's four hours, but a lot more intense and violent. And they actually have a pre-selection where people die, just like in the story. Another difference is that the story, the killers, the Thompson, um, are depicted as vicious and cruel, whereas in the movie they are also common people, albeit with psychopathic tendencies. <laughs> One of them actually recites the line about being no worse than soldiers during their job almost verbatim from the story. So it was a good mix and match, I, th I believed. In the movie, Jacques Mar actually takes action and kills four of his five pursuants, because they try to kill them in a restaurant, which is forbidden by the, game, the game's rules. In the end, he tried to make them recognize that the game is rigged, but they don't and just say he's mad, and they take him away. Actually, at the, at the end, when they take him away on the TV stage, and say became crazy, the producer of the show, Laurence Ballard, vouches to the public to produce an even bloodier and more violent show next time, and it, it will last the whole day. And Ballard is the one of the good Samaritans that helped him along the way, so we are not sure until the last moment what she's going to do. She could have saved him, but she doesn't. Now some context. At the time the film was released, France was experiencing a recession, and unemployment, unemployment sorry, was on the rise. There was a socialist, gov socialist government that was failing to solve these issues, and TV shows like the one depicted in the movie, in terms of tone and presentation, were getting more and more common. So I think it really struck home with the French public of the mid-80s, and actually it did meet with commercial success in France. Fun fact. They sued the Running Man production, the Schwarzenegger movie, for plagiarism, and they won in the Cour de Cassation, the French Supreme Court. All in all, I thought it was a good adaptation. They added a lot to make a 100-minute movie out of a short story, but the main principles of the story are the same, just expanded. Free will can be a danger when not kept in check with common sense. And I think it's a message that still resonates today. Vividly. There you have it. And now for my blessing. Que la route vous soit clémente et ne tente pas de vous tuer en chemin. Which means, may the road be nice to you and don't try to kill you along the way. <laughs> so, thank you, Seth, for this opportunity. Nice. And 
Au revoir, my friends. Au revoir. <laughs> that was fantastic. That was awesome. Thank you, yeah. Emmanuel. Yeah. yeah. Thank you Thanks, Emmanuel. Much. Friend of the show. And if you want to hear more that from Emmanuel, he, he joined James and me for our Slaughterhouse 5 episode, subbed in right. for Colin. And uh, he also joined me on Hugo's There to talk about Blackout and All Clear, bringing some of his World War II knowledge to bear mm-hmm. on both of those. Oh, which is cool. cool. So, yes. Thank you, Emmanuel. Very, very much appreciate that. Um, and kind of gave a little bit of a plot summary to it as well, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. cool. Now, the interesting thing is the movies are quite similar in a lot of ways, other than the things that, uh, that he pointed out, for instance, right. the, the shorter time. Right. Um, but it still, it keeps the having to do previous challenges to get into the main one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, what does it show? Does it just show the airplane one? Yeah. 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 That's the only challenge he has to yeah. go through. Which is a pretty long scene, actually. It's a little different yeah. because yeah. the the game show announcer guy is more directly involved at that point because he's at the airfield. He's at the airfield. Yeah. Right, right. And oh, yeah, right. He's not re- recording from the studio or something. Right, yeah. He's yeah, not... Yeah. not um, I mean, mm-hmm. and it's told in flashbacks, right? It keeps flashing back to things that happened earlier. Or was that the German one? That's the German one. That was the German one, sorry. Yeah. There was um, no flashbacks in this one. It was pretty, yeah. pretty serial. There, there was a difference where, like, in the German one, and I can't remember if it was this way in the story as well, like, they were drugged and put onto a plane. Like, they didn't that know... That was in the German one. Yeah, yeah they didn't yeah, know yeah. that that's, that's what, what they were really was, doing. I, th- I thought that was a little weird in the French one. I was like, oh, they know they're going to get in? Oh, yeah. The other one's more interesting. <laughs> yeah. Because then, you know, if you knew that, you could you could quit Google, you know, how to land a plane. And, oh, of course oh. they could Google back in 1983. <laughs> yeah. Or at least know how to turn off the airplane at the end. Right, that would be handy. Right. Um, yeah. It's one thing to land, it's another thing to park it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. In the French movie, when he lands the plane, he doesn't know how to stop it. And so he is actually driving the plane toward the stands mm-hmm. full of the audience <laughs> mm-hmm. and ends up clipping off one of his wings on a TV truck. Right. <laughs> yeah. That truck was made of adamantium or something. Yes, it was. <laughs> so, yeah, and this this was the impetus for doing this story in the first place, right? It, it's one of those cases where it was a story that existed that was adapted that we just didn't know about because it was foreign adaptations. Right. And so then when you find found out what Emmanuel mentioned about the running, man which is something we've previously covered mm-hmm. colin thought this is something we should do and so i do want to talk about a little bit about you know what we think of that lawsuit obviously they won so from right. a legal point of view you know the case closed right well yes and no what did they so, win exactly i don't know oh, money okay oh did they win money <laughs> yeah so the running man came out in 1987 mm-hmm. the trial happened in france in 1988 okay they won the first trial okay there was an appeal in 1990 the Huh. The appeal was overturned in 1992. Oops. <laughs> and then there was a file, final judgment in June of 1996. <laughs> wow. However, That's it was wow. never finally acknowledged until August of 1997 because the letter carrying it was sent on... I have to look this up again. It's TW8 Flight 800. Oh. Was that the one that... Oh, gosh. Blew yeah. up? So, yeah. all <laughs> Everything on it, including all the passengers and the mail, was all oh destroyed. Oh, my gosh. And so... You know, they sent it. They had no yeah. idea the people in France didn't right. get it. And so there was more back and Ooh. forth. And so, wow. you know, uh, ten, huh. 10 years after this yeah. you know, plagiarized movie, The Running Man, comes right. out, then mm-hmm. the French director finally gets his, his right. justice. And at the end, they put acknowledgement Dang. to the works of Harlan Ellison? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. And we can put in the show notes. There's a, there's an article that's in French, but you can you know Google Translate will will give yep. you a readable version of it. I'm not sure how close it is to the actual French manual. Maybe you can tell us. <laughs> yeah. So when I found this article on Wikipedia, I thought, well, we should try and do some legwork to see if we can find the magazine. Uh-huh. And when I went back, it was gone. 
And I thought maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm getting old or something. Oh, the reference was gone off of what The reference was gone. So I went through the history and someone had deleted it saying there was no no evidence that this had ever happened. It was all fake. So they edited it out and deleted it. Fake news. Was it the director of The Running Man? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If his IP address starts in 218, it's possible. Okay. (laughs) Um, So I reached out to Phil Nichols and Phil Nichols helped me find another online article talking about it, which has the timeline in it that I just talked all through. Okay. But it also talks about the difficulty in looking at plagiarism in Mm -hmm. creative works. Mm -hmm. So um, the, the one thing that I think that the French director had going for him was they were convinced that it was a good enough movie that it might work well overseas. So they made a bunch of videotapes not actual film because right. that would have taken longer it made videotapes and sent them internationally promotional stuff yeah mm-hmm. yeah and yeah, then the year after that out comes well a few years later out comes the running man interesting yeah and it, when you look at it from the perspective <laughs> of the original story yeah and the things that were added to the french and the german adaptations being in the studio audience having an actual game show host that right. dance moves mm-hmm. um you know, a lady from the studio kind of being on your side. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah. 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 It, it, it makes it, you're like, okay, yeah, I can see how somebody came up with that judgment based on that. Because, you know, really when, and the article mentions, at least briefly, uh, kind of in passing, mentions that Checkley didn't try and go after Richard Bachman, right? Right. Even though... If you look at the thousand foot view of the running man, it's yeah. really close to the, the prize of peril. In the article, though, which I think is lends credence to the lawsuit too, is that uh, he actually mentions that you know they they cite the running man being based on Stephen King's book, yeah, um, but that the movie was like not canonical in any way, right. shape, or yeah, form. It's thirty <laughs> percent. So it's like they tried to cite like okay, Bachman's book. Uh, as a way to cover their cover their butt, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing is, you know, they, they filmed the Running Man for a week, mm-hmm. and the producers didn't like what the director was doing, so they dropped him, and that's when they picked up Paul Michael Glazier. Right. And mm. we we know none of us know what the original screenplay well, was that's like, true. yeah. Because when you pick yeah. up Arnold Schwarzenegger, right. you now have to start adapting the movie to fit him because he is not yep. an everyman, right? right. For yeah. sure. And his opponents have to be opponents you think would be worthy. Right. Right. So that's when you start to get, you know, the the pro wrestling guys yep. and the yep. opera singer with the electric right. suit and all the other ones. And <laughs> Buzzsaw. Buzzsaw. Zero. Yeah. Cut to commercial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely, yeah. When you when you add Arnold to your movie, it necessitates some change to the script. And, right. and that's the kind of thing that, obviously, the French movie does not have... Mm-hmm. It, it has more or less an everyman. You know, he's, he's quite handsome. Yeah. Um, they comment, well, he's too say, sexy. They, <laughs> they did make a lot of changes in the French movie for that I think kind of go against the original story, too. Mm. Where the Jacques, Jacques Maillard... Or, yeah, Jacques Maillard... He was, oh, right. Remember, because uh, yeah, the producer was like, mm-hmm. "Eh, he's too, he's too pretty. Skip him." Yeah, <laughs> at first, but, but then, then the they go back to him. Starts to stand up for him, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so in this one, just like with the German one, and with the Running Man, right? You get to see behind the curtain about the production mm-hmm. part of it, where you have, oh, yeah. and, and yeah. instead of, I think, in the Running Man, it was kind of brilliant to have Richard Dawson be that character who was behind the scenes and on the stage. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because did I say Bachman or did I say Dawson? Dawson. Okay. Yeah. Richard Dawson. <laughs> I had him mixed up in my head. Yeah. Kind of having that consistent 
person where, where you can tell this is his vision for what they're doing here, having him be the one who handpicks Ben Richards. Where here you have the the producer lady and like the network executive guy doing the kind of behind the scenes stuff. And then you had mm-hmm. the front man who was who was somebody different who was on the their show. Yes. Yeah. If I have one criticism of the movie, I would say it does not really lay out the rules very well. You learn the no. rules as no. they're broken. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a little Well, yeah, that's why I made that comment I did, because I was wondering... It seemed like there was a few points in there that he could have fought back, but didn't. And then, five minutes later, we find out that, yeah, oh, yeah, he's not to. supposed to be fighting back. Yeah. <laughs> they, needed, they needed to have the scene with Arnold Schwarzenegger where he sticks the pen in the guy's back after signing the waivers, <laughs> where, where he was explaining to him all the rules. They just needed that. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah. It was an interesting... Th- uh, scene behind the scenes where the the producer and the showrunner lady there's that there's some of that capitalism and misogyny going on it's like yeah. you know i see you as taking over for me in the long term but you have to you know kowtow and you know yeah. toe mm-hmm. the line mm-hmm. where she had kind of been you know endorsing for this guy and then in the end she just completely abandons it abandons yep. him right right yeah she has a chance to speak for him and does not yeah yeah because it would hurt the bottom line <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was interesting with Emmanuel's breakdown of kind of French politics at the time. And yeah. art art has a, a context. Yeah, a basis in reality. Mm-hmm. In The Running Man, you have that, you know, you're not going to get this kind of ratings with reruns of Gilligan's Island. <laughs> <laughs> um, and th- the other interesting thing, I think, in the French movie is that it's only been running for like four episodes. Yes. Like it's still really early in the run. And she's oh, already already kind of losing interest in it. Right. Yeah, because evidently they have all the lower stakes, uh, less violent ways for you to lose your life. Um, the other thing that Emmanuel mentioned is that here it's just other average citizens that are the stalkers, which makes sense when when mm, we're thinking mm-hmm, about the Arnold Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. thing, right? What 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 is a worthy opponent for this person? Well, if he's an average right. Joe off the street, you get an average Joe five average street. Joes off the street yeah. and send them after him. Yeah, um, I yeah, thought it was it? interesting that there was a woman in there, you know. <laughs> I think in an American show there would have been, yeah. although she she breaks down in the end after he yeah, you know threatens her and right yeah it's a little unfortunate should I, well one of the dudes was kind of pathetic too but oh no that was the other contestant who refused to get in the plane yes yeah, yeah. right it reminded me of the Shawshank Redemption <laughs> I said it oh and it's fat ass by a nose <laughs> so w- when we did Arena we talked about. Uh, points of similarity because if you remember on episode arena the the show writers for that star trek episode realized that what they made was very similar to a uh, a short story right and then uh checked a bunch of stuff out on their side and then bought the rights yeah. and, the, and the author was willing to sell them which was really kind right if he hadn't we never would have had arena and we wouldn't mm-hmm. have the episode yeah well i mean it might be one of those things where you're like oh i get extra money <laughs> For the story that I wrote, (laughs) without having to do an extra work. No, Um, but you can imagine someone who might have been extremely offended. Right. And then said, oh, no, forget it. No way. Mm -hmm. Like Harlan Ellison. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Right. (laughs) He would have said some pretty colorful things, I'm sure. Yes. Especially if it was James Cameron. Yeah, he might have sent you a a, a postage due (laughs) box of bricks. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So what did you come up with? I mean, because... We know that in that case, right, their their people did their due diligence and went, this is probably actionable. We should approach the guy and, get, and buy the rights. Where in this right, case, right. maybe the running man was partially based on that promotional material that somebody saw. Oh, no, their, just, their due diligence was uh, getting that story and uh, <laughs> citing it was from King and not the other guy. <laughs> right, right. Because really, it should have been you know, based on Sheckley. <laughs> yeah. 
was more closer to the Sheckley work than it was to Stephen King slash yeah, yeah. Bachman work. Well, it, it, there is a, a plane running into something <laughs> in both works. I mean, yeah, that's true. Right. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, the three of us sat down and kind of brainstormed out five points that we thought were particularly uh, unique to the French adaptation. So not from the German adaptation, not from the short story, but just the movie itself. Mm-hmm. And this is what we came up with. Uh, it's a game show with a big prize, win or die. Uh, there's a resistance to the show and network. Mm. And that isn't a, a thing that's fully, really fully developed in the movie. No. But it shows up. There's a court trial. The court mm-hmm. trial is lost because they say they didn't bring enough evidence. That's kind of where it ends. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, there's all this behind the scenes talks about ratings. Should we let him win? Uh, it's rigged because he got assistance from the studio. And, yeah. Um, that, that is something that harkens all the way back to the original short story. Uh, chasing and hunting are the majority part of uh, all three, you know, the, yeah. the, the short story and both movies. And the last one, which was pretty unique to the short, for, to the French adaptation, is viewer participation. Right. Because like we mentioned, they <laughs> right. were the stalkers, so to say. Um, uh, a little girl across the way is mm-hmm. saying, hey, try going this way. Go do this. Go do that. Yeah. Those were all very, very unique points. Right. Definitely point five is not in The Running Man. Right. They did not. They didn't really use that at all. Uh, they brought people out of the audience. Well, so it depends by what you mean by viewer. Members sure. of the studio audience got to participate and pick a stalker, and they got prizes if they sure. picked well, okay. and the stalker right. won. Mm-hmm. There was audience participation. Yeah, I guess there was in that sense. Yeah. 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 Okay. I take it back. Yeah. Yep. Uh, chasing and hunting. Yes. Obviously. Really yep. up there. Yeah. In The Running Man, they. It was much more dystopian. For example, Mm -hmm. you may remember that this game show had a direct connection to the Department of Justice to try and get prisoners. (laughs) And there were some agreements that might be broken. And they said, hey, where are you going to be if we stop taking your prisoners? You'll you'll overflow your prisons and blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah. Yeah, and that's definitely a unique thing to The Running Man, that it's that it's prisoners who are doing this. And The Running Man movie. Right, right. 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 Not, not, Not even The Running Man book. Right. Uh, as far as you know, rating, should we let him win? Oh, yeah. Richard Dawson was doing that behind mm-hmm. the scenes. In fact, that's how Arnold Schwarzenegger got, got picked. They saw a video of him, and he's like, hey, whoa, whoa, stop. Roll that back. Yeah. Hello, yeah. gorgeous. Hello, gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And you know, rigged, totally rigged. There were, you know, tracers and injected and, you know, other things to make them, to make Arnold not work really great. Yeah. Right. It didn't seem to slow him down very much. Yeah. Because he's Arnold. Mm-hmm. It's Arnold. <laughs> the people that were there with Arnold were part of the resistance network and yeah. their job was to find the transmitter to try and shut it all down. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, there's a game show with a big prize and the prize for these prisoners was not annulment. It was having your sentence commuted. Right. And right. then you'd get to go to the f- uh, famous tropical Island right. with Whitman price and Hadad. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Last season's losers, <laughs> which were totally rigged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and and here you do have the the rigging thing going in in the Running Man, right? Where they're they're like, we're going to kill him off using digital doubles, right? You know, deep fakes. Where where in this one, it's, I mean, the, in this in this movie, I guess that that was a major point, right? Where he wants to come out and say, this is rigged, this is rigged, this is rigged, right? Um, where he knows that they're going to help him until he gets close enough to the finish line and then kill him off for maximum ratings, which is kind of out of the story too. I don't think so. Well, in the story, they don't kill him off though. That's right, and the story here survives. Yeah, but but you know they milk it for all the drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, they, but but they do kind of. Well, no, that's not true either. If Never they mind. wanted him dead, all they had to do was not say anything for ten seconds. Sure, sure. Yeah. But once he's in that funny farm, does he end up like uh, right McMurray and or McMurphy and one flew over the cuckoo's nest? List of shame, right? 
<laughs> yeah, or does he end up with Murphy as in RoboCop? Right, right. Either Ooh, way, missing part of his brain. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of RoboCop, I mean, uh, Emmanuel mentioned RoboCop, right? Yeah, that was, was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know, all very interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. So what, what's your judgment here? Did the Running Man rip off Le Prix du Danger? You know, I, when I first thought about that question, I got lost in the production values. Sure. And thought, you know, th- this was so much more polished, so much more dystopian, so much more modern in CGI. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you start to break it down like we did, there's a lot of similarity. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know the purpose in the, I don't know how the, the, the French courts work. Mm-hmm. But I can certainly see where there would be an yeah, in civil court, case. right? You could definitely, yeah, you could convince a civil jury. There's yeah. a, there's evidence. Running Man was a remake of La Prix du Yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah. Although, again, if, I think if they hadn't sent those tapes overseas, there'd be no case. Yeah, because then you couldn't say, right. well, how would you expect people to see like us, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. we we're science fiction fans. Mm-hmm. Some of these things were completely unavailable, like the German one, right? Yeah. And the French one. I mean, we found it off on a website uh, with some improved synchronization yeah, right. of the audio and the video of the video. So yeah, we were trying to watch this, and people's mouths would move, and then a second later it would be the sound. <laughs> yeah, and then the um, the subtitles were linked up with the mouths, and so there's this big jumble of stuff yeah. going on. That, and- that was one of the problems about trying to judge the the quality of the movie is that. Yeah, there was a second and a half delay on the audio, and and it really makes it hard to tell what the performances are like when yeah. that kind of thing happens. Where in the German one, we could we could hear it, we just couldn't know what they're saying. <laughs> so it's like opposite problems. Right. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I don't know, it's like, like being a foreign exchange in Germany. Yeah. I did. I did like the fact that, as um, Emmanuel mentioned, that the movie starts by showing the conclusion of a previous episode. Yeah. Where they hold him up like a fish. That they just yeah. caught. <laughs> Gosh. I don't know why they decided they needed to switch from guns to oars and chains, but... Oh, pistols don't work well in the water. I guess. Maybe not. Like hoverboards. Yeah. Although I thought it was hilarious when they were beating the water next to him with the chains so they wouldn't hurt him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and at one point, you can see the guy kind of gives them Until the they eye. they just like, hurt him. <laughs> like, hey, 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 I'm not the stunt double. You can't hit me. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's my face. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else we want to say? I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I thought it was fun. Uh, I, I thought it was totally cool that I got to do some Wiki, some Wikipedia editing and protection mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. So uh, oh, yeah. I, I put the link back and I added the link to the online page to show that it was actual an actual thing. Uh, the online article links to another piece of information about it, which mm-hmm. is also in French, which means you know people in the English only speaking world would have a hard time getting it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was disappointed that someone would rip something off of pull something out of Wikipedia just because they disagreed with it. Yeah, oh, we don't know right. the, the motivation. Maybe they just maybe they weren't able to find the references, but you right. found them. So oh, the the comment on the commit was very clear. Okay, this didn't happen. This didn't happen. Yeah, ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I will say, just for folks, if you're interested, because it, most of the time we're trying to steer you to <laughs> easily available material, right? Something that's on Netflix <laughs> right. or yes. on Amazon Prime or anything. If you're in the U.S., these are hard to find. Um, you can find, as Cora mentioned, you can find... Well, they're not hard to find, they're hard to watch. Right, <laughs> yeah. Both of these, yeah. you know, they can be found online, right. mm-hmm. but if you want to if you want to find a legit copy of, yeah. of the DVD of, of the French movie, if you're in Canada, at least in Montreal, it's evidently quite available. Wow. Um, and actually, no, it was available for streaming. 
uh, yeah, it was on the, it's Netflix, iTunes. Yeah, it was on iTunes. Wow, yeah. I if they'd have it was in the iTunes store, but was in the when I looked at it, it directed me to the Canadian store, and it was like nine ninety nine dollars, I guess. Oh, you could have gotten it. No. Okay. Uh, I think there would have been something okay. original about it. N- needed a VPN or something. Uh, no, I, I just found that via Google is how I okay. actually found okay. it. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you're in Canada, you may be able to find the French movie. Yeah. Um, and if you're in Europe, it sounds like you can find Millionenspiel mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and uh, and check the movies out. And let us know what you think about the similarities between them and The Running Man. I think it's interesting that there wasn't a, any lawsuit with the German one, and it's a very similar movie. So Yeah. Right, but that there's the other legal tangle of the rights, which is why you couldn't have seen it when you were in Germany. Yes, yeah. it had been pulled <laughs> off the air, and evidently they must have iron, hammered something out um, eventually with Sheckley. Y- yeah, yeah. I mean, so that German publisher had no right to take or try even and yeah. sell those rights, and you think they would know that? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You'd think that when they got the request, they'd pass it through to the correct authorities. But yeah, because there's lots of. I mean, it's very popular in Hollywood to remake foreign films in. The U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, oh, yeah, the, sure. whatever it was, The Departed is based on a uh, either Hong Kong or Taiwan film. Wow! Um, oh. And so, or there was the you recent uh, Liam Neeson movie, Cold Pursuit, that was based on a Stellan Skarsgård Stellan Skarsgård oh, yeah. movie, right. Norwegian movie. Yeah, you um, reviewed that with Ethan, didn't you? I did. So oh, the whole Dragon series too, right? Dragon Tattoo, right? Yeah, <laughs> there's there's both both English yeah. and Swedish versions of those. Yeah. Um, so I think I like the Swedish version better. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have no problem with, with the idea of doing that. It's just, you know, nowadays, non-English language films are easier to find, right? Netflix mm-hmm. hosts a yeah. bunch of, like, Korean horror movies and stuff, and you can you can go find them, and right. we don't need to remake those. And I think they're doing, like, another a Train to Busan in English. And like, oh, really? It's a yeah. good movie in, yeah. in Korean. What do you need to remake that for? Yeah, you don't. No. What was the recent Southern Korean... Well, there's the Squid Game, which everyone knows about. Right. right. Yeah. And then there was a another series about... Uh, a post-apocalyptic earth where they're trying to find water on the moon. And so they send a team of people up there to try and, I don't know that one. Anyway, there's another great South Korean science fiction <laughs> series about trying to find water on the moon. Huh. Go watch it. Okay. I watched it. It was really enjoyable. Okay. Nice. Cool. Oh yeah. We're in favor of the, the movies with subtitles. It's just, we need the subtitles. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, in, in my podcast with Phil, science fiction one one, mm-hmm. uh, we talked, we just reviewed the December, 2021 episode uh, edition of Clark's World magazine. Nice. And it has a number of international authors that have very different takes on science fiction with wonderful stories. Mm. And there's actually an interview with a Southern South Asian author talking about the difficulty in getting into the Western market and how they have all these own, Uh, all their own tropes and ideas and myths and legends and technology that they bring to their science fiction. Right. Mm -hmm. That, because we're almost so encapsulated, yeah, we don't know about. Yeah, even like reading something like the Three Body huh. Problem, like there's some cultural assumptions that that I didn't have when reading it, and I'm like, I think I'm missing some things. Right, here. right, yeah, right, so. right. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you got a little piece of you know yeah, Chinese yeah. culture from it to understand. It's a great way to expand your horizons. Yeah. So. Well, thanks for doing this, you guys. Yeah, um, yep. and the dogs behaved for the most part. Hopefully, we don't get too yeah. many uh, barks on here. Thanks for mm-hmm. reaching out to was it Cora, Cora, and yeah. uh, Emmanuel. Yeah. yeah. I rather enjoyed the uh, the bit that Cora had about uh, it being first shown on TV, like it's yeah. a TV movie. Yeah, that totally like changes it for me in my head. Yeah, uh, I think it's brilliant now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very cool. So, yeah, thanks again to Cora and Emmanuel for being our foreign correspondents. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Yep. When our episode comes out, I'll make sure to let the File Seven Seventy people know that she's on there. Oh yeah, we'll probably pick, be picking up some more Robert Sheckley just because 
there's a couple other things that we can we can hit that are in adaptation. When, should we just reveal it now? Yes. Okay, so my, my idea was to do a shectacular or a trishecta um, <laughs> where, where we cover this, and then we do Free Jack, which is based on Immortality, Inc., which is a novel. I'm willing to bend my... Um, my normal rule. I want shorter stuff. New uh, for, rule for it both. Used to be that way. Yeah, my new rule um, for both that and then the following one for April Fools. It may or may not be adapted, but we'll find out. Condor Man, which is just a classic <laughs> movie that I loved when I was a kid, um, and I can't remember the name of the the book that it's based on. But we'll talk about that when we get to it. Um, so yeah, three episodes in a row about Robert Sheckley stories. Is Robert Sheckley still alive? I. We should find out. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, I know so because uh, some of his short, some of his earlier short works are being collected by uh, one of the free ebook projects. Mm. Yeah, he died in two thousand five. Bummer, can't reach out to him. Yeah, but we can do his work, and and because of his work, he lives on. So, and on that note, we will sign off. So, thanks everybody for listening. Leave a review if you would like to. Someplace, reach out to us at Pavement Podcast on Twitter or feedback at pavementpodcast.com. And uh, make sure to check the show notes. I will, I will send you a link. I'll put a link in there to Cora's blog. Um, she does tremendous work over there. And uh, so until next time, may the road rise up to meet you. And may the book always fall open to where you left off. Bye, everybody.